Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So last time we were talking about adversarial analysis and we didn't foreshadow this at the time, but when you and I were, were talking and you introduced that idea, you also introduced something else. You said you'd been dealing with people about adversarial analysis and precision tuning. Oh yeah. And I, I love that name and I love how they go together. And I wanted to talk about them both last time, but you convinced me that we should talk about them separately. And so here we are. We get to talk about it I thought it was your idea. I think we should have an adversarial analysis. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Let's talk about precision tuning today. That sounds great. That's right. So what what is precision tuning and, you know, how does it follow on from the adversarial analysis, if at all, or is it just something entirely different? No, no, no. They're very closely linked because they're the types, they're, they're two cures for common errors that I find people make in their uh, uh, analysis of strategy. So something I've taken to doing more recently more in a more structured way is asking people I'm working with to summarize their company's strategy. And it's it's surprising how challenging they find it to do that. Uh, That's very insightful for me. It tells me a lot about uh, how good people are at communicating it. And um, when they eventually come up with something, then I tell them, well, this part is um, overly specific and, and it's got something wrong with it that you haven't analyzed. And that's what we talked about last time. We'll, we'll have a link in the show notes, of course, uh, which is adversarial analysis, understanding what you could mess up about this particular strategic goal. How could someone do the wrong thing? But then uh, they often have some other stuff. And uh, the, the phrase I, used to, I like to use for it is, I think very familiar in the United States, but, but not elsewhere, like in Britain where I live. And uh, that, that phrase is motherhood and apple pie. Mm, and yeah. what, what motherhood and apple pie is, is, is what politicians say when they say, my mother was wonderful and uh, we all yeah. should have the right to apple pie. And uh, this is a land of opportunity. They, they can talk for hours and never say anything. Right. No one's, no one's going to disagree with that. No, one, no exactly. one's against motherhood. No one's condemning mm, apple mothers, pie. Terrible. Apple so pie. It, poisonous. You know, that's not, so, not so something you hear. So it's a safe, generic topic kind of thing. Exactly. And that's what I often find people have in their company strategy. So they'll have something like, and often I'm talking to technical people, so they might have a more technically focused action like, uh, we're going to make our code better. We're, we're going to make sure <laughs> that our application scales. We're going to um, uh, uh, ensure that uh, cu- customers are happy. And th- these are all motherhood and apple pie. You couldn't possibly disagree with them. I mean, I want to write worse code. I want unhappy customers. I mean, this just doesn't make any sense. So uh, the problem is that uh, they're, they're in need of precision tuning. In other words, that this is so vague as not to be a guide to action. And what you need to do is make sure that it actually tells you something. It needs to be something someone could disagree with. Hmm. I like that. I mean, in a sense, maybe it it um, puts some things out of bounds. Uh, it has to be that specific. Otherwise, you're not really being very precise in what your strategy is because you can't then say what it isn't. Is it something along those lines? But that that's a big part of it. You might also put something out of bounds that everyone would agree with. You know, we're going to eliminate all bugs. Well, <laughs> yeah, okay. So you know, out of bounds is leaving bugs in or writing more bugs, but. You haven't said very much that someone could disagree with. If you said we're we're going to slow down our releases so that they only come out once a year and um, uh, we only add a hundred lines of code every every month, <laughs> that that might cause people to disagree with you. That would be very specific. That that's what NASA does, for example, to build spacecraft software, and it works really great for them. Probably not so good in your e-commerce uh, t-shirt store. Right. 
So, so I got to say, I, I, I like this and I, because I think I was, I'm already like pre-sold, uh, which hopefully doesn't make precision one of those mother and apple pie topics. But I, I, I just find this so often the, the problem that people are imprecise in what they intend. I'm usually talking to people, well, actually at all different levels. Sometimes it's about strategy, but it can be at all different layers. And the ones I've been dealing with recently have been dealing with some um, product managers and coaching them to uh, and really warn them against the imprecision. I, I, what I said in particular was, you know, be very, very aware of and afraid of vaguely positive statements. Yeah, those are the worst. Vaguely negative, you kind of maybe you're okay. Vaguely positive, motherhood and apple pie. It's really dangerous because it puts you to sleep. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. This is, you know, being working on a project and someone will say like, oh yeah, that, you know, we're working on that and it should be done in two weeks. Okay. So that and superficially, this sounds very positive. We are working on it and it should be done in, in two weeks. But you notice that it's not really much of a commitment. And, and also it's one of those, you know, the questions here, what do we mean by done? And so I, I've been training the person to ask some more specific questions. So so might say something like, okay, well, today's a Wednesday. So does that mean when you say it's done in two weeks, does that mean the clients, the customers will be able to use it two weeks from today on the Wednesday, two weeks from today, you know, and, and suddenly now you're being more specific if the answer could be, you know, yeah, that's what we expect. And then you can have follow on questions like, well, that's great. What's the, what's the probability that you would put on that? Do you think it's, you know, do you think that's like 90% or do you think it's like 50%? And, and you start getting into more detailed conversation. Wh- like, wh- well, which actually, tests will it pass? What, what yeah. <laughs> users will be able to use it? What uh, geographies will it be rolled out in? Exactly. Yeah. What exactly are we saying will be done and, and when? And also asking questions like, that's great, but do you have an idea why it's two weeks? Is there something else that, you know, is keeping it from being faster? What prevents it from being one week? And, you know, that could be like, oh, well, we can't do it in one week because we're also trying to do you know, X, Y, and Z. It's like, oh, so if we stop doing X, Y, and Z, will you say we can have it next week? Well, yeah, I suppose. Fantastic, right? You're getting into specific trade-offs that exist as opposed to what's so dangerous about that vaguely positive message is it tends to put people asleep because it's, it's, it, because it is it's positive. Reassuring. It's reassuring. It doesn't create exactly. any drama or worry or disagreement. It, Exactly. People relax. Oh, that's great. It's being worked on. Fantastic. Oh, it's two weeks. We have a timeline. Because what happens, though, in practice is you get to two weeks later and it's like, well, so where's that thing that you said would be done? Oh, well, it's taking a little bit longer than we expected. Oh, something came up. And it looks like, yeah, it's probably going to be another week and a half or another two oh, well, weeks. No, Jeffrey, or... Actually, 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 we released it. It's, it's great. It's, it's, it's live to um, uh, internal customers. It's fantastic. To, to internal yeah. customers. Yeah, it works for any user whose name starts with Q. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just just like we intended, just like we expected. Yeah, that's what I meant when I told you it'd be ready in two weeks. That's right, and actually, that perfectly fits. That might that might sound dramatic to people, but but that's kind of the, very realistic to the kind of scenario we're dealing with. It's like, yeah, that'll be done, and it will make no difference to the end users at all whatsoever. But that thing that we mentioned two weeks ago is actually done, so. Um, that is exactly the kind of uh, scenario that that uh, that is is all too too realistic. If you just allow the the vaguely positive thing uh, to pass, so 
that's a, that, this is why I was really excited to talk about it. You know, I think this is, is something that uh, people can go and apply immediately in their environment. They can listen to what people are saying, to listen to what they themselves are saying. Um, I remember uh, uh, at, at Tim, when we first joined, uh, when I first joined Tim Group, where, where you were, were CTO, that, that there was a phrase that some people would use, would talk about the language of commitment. And, and that was kind of an antidote to this imprecision. And it was sort of, you know, who is doing what by when. And, you know, you, you talk in terms of when things will be done rather than, you know, these sort of the, the vagueness here. And it's kind of a similar idea. You can listen to what you're saying, listen to what others are saying and be, you know, or do, um, to be clear, like, do we really understand what's being committed to here? Is anything being committed to? Or have we just left in sort of a vague intent and hoping that everyone feels good? Because that's what I think we want to avoid. And I'll just clarify here that uh, the um, specificity doesn't have to be in terms of numbers or something that's sort of digital. So it, it would, in fact, be perfectly fine to say 90% um, uh, of our customer, the customers that we talk to uh, when we randomly phone them will tell us that uh, the, new pay, the new login experience is better. Now, that's a qualitative piece of information, but it passes the precision tuning test. Because you you can you could might say a bit more about how will you select them and how many will you phone and so on. You can get to different layers, but it's much more specific than our customers will be happy, which could be satisfied yes. by anything. You know, I ran into one yesterday and they smiled. Therefore, they're happy. <laughs> um, you know, that that. But uh, I've given you something specific that you can target and you can ask: Is it happening? You know, there was um, a, a great uh, test that someone uh, told me about long ago. It must come from somewhere. If listeners know, they can tell me. Um, but uh, this was a test for for um, uh, sort of telling the difference between uh, a virtual item and a real item. Um, because it gets very confusing. You know, you talk about servers and, and uh, machines and so on, and, and are those real? Or are they? Re uh, so somebody said, well, yeah, if I dropped it on my foot, would it hurt? <laughs> and, and, and that's a good way to know. You know, in the cloud, doesn't hurt. If it's a real thing in a server room, well, it hurts. Uh, so uh, and a similar test here would be, uh, if I followed you around, could I see you doing that? Could I observe that? Is that something I could uh, take in with my eyes or ears or nose? And if that's the case, then I've got something that's specific enough. I can actually test it. But if it's uh, motherhood and apple pie, how do you know? I, I, one thing that's worth saying, I think, is that the, the reason I, it occurs to me, we didn't really acknowledge a bit about why these vague statements come up and why they get passed along. It's so often is that people want to feel good and they don't want to make other people feel bad. Doesn't doesn't kind of make for a bad relationship if I'm asking someone all these questions? Am, am, am I now turning into be like adversarial <laughs> uh, with my colleagues? Isn't that a bad thing? Uh, well, if you do it with the right intent and with the right communication, absolutely not. You may produce productive conflict, which longtime listeners will know we're big, big fans of. So it may be that somebody says, man, I haven't thought about any of that. And by the way, why don't you go check? And th then uh, <laughs> you, you've got a really useful discussion to have. It may not be pleasant, but uh, it will probably produce something like you going and being the one to ask all the customers whether they're happy or not. And that could be a very good outcome. I, actually, I really like that when you, when you say like, oh, no, I wasn't going to do that. And that's not my job. <laughs> of course, I wasn't planning to do that. That's actually a like fantastic thing to find. And I, I like that example because it's like, no, like you, you, there's other people you should be talking to, not me. That's a great discovery. And, and th that idea of learning something that, that I didn't know is exactly why I'm asking the question. The, the other person, actually, even in our kind of mini role play here, 
is probably kind of annoyed. Like, how can you not know that? But that's the point. We don't know what we don't know. And the people we're talking to don't know what we don't know. They're making assumptions, assuming that when they say, oh, this will be done in two weeks, that of course we know that naturally there's 15 other things that need to happen after that. Isn't that obvious? But but no, it's not necessarily obvious to us. But we, how do we discover this unless we're willing to be brave enough to go ask these questions? And the uh, result of the pro productive conflict is usually that uh, you, you have this learning of something that you didn't know much faster because you will learn it. I mean, in the two weeks, you'll come along and you'll say, is it done? They'll say, oh, yes, the customers are really happy and everything's fantastic. And, you know, we asked uh, four people in marketing. It was fine. Marketing? What do you mean? How about actual customers? <laughs> and, and you'll discover it then. So it's not like the, the information will never come to you. But um, would you like it today or in two weeks? Right. Yes. And, and the answer is today. And to be, to be clear, the, we, these things sound like you're being very um, particular, asking people these questions. Um, the, the, the person I was, I was coaching said, you know, they actually found it helpful to the other people when they started asking them. It helped them think a little bit more precisely. It said, oh, yeah, you know what? I forgot this other thing. Oh, there's also this other part. And he would ask him more of the questions. Okay, so given those other pieces, now what do we think this does to what you're expecting? And, you know, what's your level of confidence? Do you think there's anything you're missing? Oh, wait, no, there's this other bit. And, and actually it made for a much richer plan. It put everyone on a much better footing. So it wasn't, it, you end up actually in a collaborative space as long as, as you put it, you know, you have the right intent. Your, your goal here isn't, you're tr not trying to play gotcha. You're not trying to find people in mistake. And be like, aha, so you didn't think this through. I, I knew it. <laughs> you're, a, you're a bad collaborator. That's not the point. You're, you're trying to be productive and saying, you know, let's make sure that we, we have a clear vision of what we're, and a shared vision of what we're going to do. And if someone has already done that work and you ask these questions, guess what? They just answer them instantly. They're like, yes, of course you can do it, in, you know, on, on two weeks on Wednesday because we'll have released it on the, on the Tuesday. And, you know, dot, 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 dot. Here's all the work we've done. And, and they, they, they'll have those those answers up to hand. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't make for a, a um, negative interaction if, if they've already done the precise thinking themselves. And that suggests, the, and brings us to, to something that, we're, that you and I really like, which is the genuine question. So what we're describing here is asking questions that you really want the answer to. The, the answer, a surprising answer would be valuable. So yes. the kind of uh, mini role play you just did, uh, where you know you're kind of pounding on the table, saying, "Haven't you thought of this? Aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Why?" The, those are leading questions. Those aren't genuine questions. But a genuine question sounds like, "I I, I want to check that we're on the same page. Uh, I think that it might mean that it's released on Wednesday and that I can go and demo it on the that afternoon. Can I book a demo?" That would be a genuine question to which the answer no would be really interesting. And you would like to hear it and you would be supportive of it. That's the attitude to take into the, the questioning that you might do as part of your precision tuning. Yeah, that's right. And in, and the, the question here of what's your level of confidence is one I've, I find myself asking more, more often now. And it ends up being very valuable because the difference of someone at a, you know, 50% level of confidence for an answer versus 90% or 95 that's really useful data. And, and an answer at 50% is actually totally fine. If someone says, well, you know, I think we're like 50-50. We don't, you know, we're, we're not 100% confident, you know, but we think that we have a good shot. That's actually, you know, good to know. Yeah, I can work with that. But if I think it's 100% and it's actually 25, not so good. That's right. That only succeeds a quarter of the time. 
Yeah, but I'm curious how, how this strikes listeners. I mean, we, you and I are, are, are both very excited about this, these questions and, and this precision tuning through uh, getting precise questions at strategy level and, and even at implementation level, at kind of uh, fractally applying it. Um, what, what are we missing? Uh, you know, what people tell us about environments where that's not possible. Uh, uh, you know, that's uh, sometimes people tell me that this, this all sounds great, but how do we actually do it in our scenario? Would love to hear if people have examples where they think it wouldn't work. Um, but I, I think it's a, a generally useful technique. Super. Well, people can find out how to get in touch with us at agileconversations.com. You'll also find free videos and our Twitter, and I think my home address is up there. You know, like everything you want to know about us or uh, related to us is, is there. And, of course, you can also come back next Wednesday when we'll be on here again with another episode of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Grant.